Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change Sometimes your life. Find God bless you as you continue listening problems. to Just this podcast. Remember when a baby is in a mommy's tummy and she's about to give birth, that baby starts to get squeezed. Next thing, life is upside down and we say it's engaged. And sometimes life can feel like it's an absolute mess. Is that right? But we believe in the impossible. I would like to submit to you, an impossible problem requires of necessity an impossible solution. If you've got an impossible problem right now today, I'm telling you, I know a God who specializes in doing the impossible and changing it around and making things possible. Amen. We've been speaking for the last couple of weeks, and uh, we coined this phrase that nothing is impossible. Nothing with God is impossible. Nothing. Even your dead situation, nothing's impossible. A job situation that looked dead has now got life. Sickness, even though it looks like the end, nothing is impossible for Jesus. With God, the impossible is possible. So why are you all so quiet? <laughs> this is shaking ground, jumping ground. This is the exciting time because I'm wanted, it, I, I draw a lot of courage from this and uh, uh, encouragement for myself. No matter what we're going through, God can do the impossible. Claire last week was sharing very powerful talk about uh, the centurion. Do you remember it? He heard about Jesus doing the impossible, opening blind eyes, walking in the water, all the miracles that were happening, and faith began to rise. And he started to ask in the middle of impossible because his servant was sick at the point of death. He asked. You see, it all starts off with asking in the middle of your impossible, is it possible? I mean, impossible situation. Lord, is it possible that you can do the impossible for me? Are we prepared to do that? You know, um, <laughs> when I start talking about the impossible, it gets a lot of resistance from, resistance from some people. How is it that God has allowed the situation to get this bad? How is it that um, I've got this lack, I've got this need in my life, yet in the Word of God it promises prosperity, it promises that He will make the good things right, He will, he, he will give us the healing that we need. The Bible makes all these promises, but uh, in our experiences it doesn't always match up with those promises that we get. Has anyone experienced that? People have coined a phrase, they say, it is okay to not be okay. Kind of trying to explain the tension that we find ourselves in. I see God's word on the one hand, but I'm still not okay. I haven't got that yet in my life. This term, this phrase, it's okay not to be okay, can be interpreted two ways. We don't go behind masks and hide away from problems and pretend that we're fine when we're not. I would like to say to you this morning, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to come to somebody and say, Pastor, I'm battling. I've got a problem in my life. Please, would you help me? I'm not okay. 
home group leader, please, would you help me? I'm not okay. I'm in a challenge right now. It's been going on for weeks or months or years. I need some help. I need someone to stand by. It's okay. It's okay. There is no condemnation. There is no shame in that whatsoever. No judgment. Listen to the word of God. 1 Peter 4 says, Dear friends, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing has happened to you. Hey, that's because you're in a cold, dark, hard place. You're in a squeeze. You're in a jam. There's chaos all around you. But it says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, somebody say impossible. You may be also glad with exceeding joy. I'm going to be so excited when the impossible starts to manifest in my life. Joy is going to be overwhelming. I was in a hard place, but he's setting me free. Yet any, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. It's okay not to be okay. But I'd like to add something else. It's not okay to not be okay. <laughs> Jesus didn't come down to this world, die on a cross, be beaten and whipped to death so that you cannot be okay. I'm confused. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to remain not okay. Jesus didn't say to the blind man, hey, it's okay that you're not okay. He didn't say to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead. It's okay. You can be not okay. He didn't say to the centurion, hey, your servant's sick. He's about to die. It's okay. You just be not okay. Let me say, you need to add an extra word. I'm not okay. But it's not okay to remain not okay. How are we going to word that? You can interpret it those two ways. Here's the problem. When I say it's okay not to be okay, and I've been praying for someone, I said, can I pray for you? And they said, no, I'm okay not to be okay. You have just pushed me off. I can't help. I'm now pushed at the back. You have built a wall around you. Could I suggest when you say that, you are the one who's actually living behind a mask of not being okay. The victim. Sometimes people will do it for another reason. You see, when you say, I'm believing God, I'm not okay, but I want to believe God, you see it involves risk because you are saying, I'm believing for the impossible. And when you start to say, I'm believing for the impossible, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if you believe for the impossible and you get sick and worse and you die? I told you so. So people are fearful of believing and they will often hide behind. It's okay not to be okay because I don't want to trust God for something because I'm scared of getting disillusioned or hurt. I'd like to give you only two examples this morning and then I will sit down. <laughs> there might be long examples. <laughs> Romans Chapter 8 says these words, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. God can take your, I'm not okay, turn it around and make it okay. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to remain not okay. He wants you to be okay. But I want to make it very clear. You are allowed to come to me and say, I'm not okay. Does it make sense? How can we help you if we don't know you're not okay? There's no shame. In fact, Peter says, rejoice. Celebrate. Do you know why? It's the launching pad for the impossible. Your not okayness is the launching pad. Two examples I promised you. These are Chappie. His name was Abe. Abram. Abe. He was a tender 75 years old. And Sarai and Abram couldn't have children for whatever reason. You work it out. 75, plumbing's not working. (laughs) God says, (laughs) God says to him, this is God's idea, by the way. Abram, I want to bless you. I'm going to make you great, famous, distinguished. You're going to be the father of a multitude, a nation. And Abraham says, oh, that's great. Just like the centurion, he hears the promise. Faith is starting to rise. God says, I want you to get out and go. So he does. He goes for the next five to ten years. Abe goes through the land of Canaan. He sojourns through Egypt because it was a severe famine in Canaan. He returns to Bethel. He then lets Lot go. He has to then go and rescue Lot. He then wins a battle. He then meets Melchizedek. And right when he meets Melchizedek, he now has a revelation. Previously, Abe knew the Most High. Um, he just knew God as the God, the Lord God. And now he's, God reveals himself to him as El Elyon, the Most High God, the Most Magnificent God, the Most Supreme, Majestic God. Ten years. But Abe still doesn't have a baby. He's still living in tension. I got a promise from God, but it's not yet. I'm not okay. Well, he turns 86. This is 11 years after the promise. And a third time, God appears to him and says, I am going to bless you, Abraham, or Abe, and I'm going to make your name great and give you a, a nation. And he snaps. The Bible doesn't quite use those words. I'll put those in. He says this. He says, Abraham said, look, God, you've given me an offspring. Indeed, a slave in my house is now going to be my heir. How shall I know that I'm going to inherit this? Abraham was saying, or Abe was saying, God, I'm not okay. Eleven years have gone past. I'm not okay. Would you please clarify a couple of things? When is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? 75 plus 11 is old. (laughs) He is not okay. And God now makes a covenant, a blood covenant, the strongest bond promise that a man and God could make. God himself weaves a figure eight between the blood halves of um, the, the bull and makes a covenant with Abe. Makes that promise again. I am going to bless you. But he's still living in tension. 
And Abraham messes up. He goes and he sleeps with his wife's maid and he gives, they get birth to Ishmael. And in that culture, in that day, that was permissible. He tried to help God out. How many of us have been living in tension? I've got the promises from God, but I haven't got it yet. God, I'm not okay. I'm believing a word for something, but I've even got a blood covenant with Jesus. Um, but I've also messed up. Sometimes I try to help God out. Well, the story goes on. A.B. is now 99 years old. And God, for the fourth time, reaffirms that promise to him. He says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you father of a nation. But God says something different. I want to reveal myself to you as El Shaddai. El, the word El, is high, strength, mighty. Shaddai refers to a lady's multi-breasted one. The God that is able to meet every one of our needs more than enough to turn a situation around. El Shaddai is the God that specializes in the impossible. He puts his super on the natural to get the supernatural. El Shaddai created the heavens and the earth. El Shaddai fed a nation. El Shaddai parted the sea. El Shaddai stopped the moon and the sun stand still. El Shaddai is the one who said, walls come tumbling down. That's the God of his El Shaddai. But Abram is still in tension. What incredible revelation that Abe's been sitting in church and heard Wayne Wilson speak on the different names of God. And he's got this fantastic revelation, just like you guys are hearing right now, but you're still in tension. You don't have the promise. God, I'm not okay. Is anyone out there? Out there, out there, out there. God gives him some instructions. Abe. I'm changing your name to Abraham, putting Yahweh in the middle of his name, Abraham, which means a father of a nation. Sarai, I'm changing your name to princess, the mother of a nation, Sarah. What is God doing? Claire said this word last week. I cannot get it out of my head. She said the words, voice activated. You see, up till this stage, Abram hadn't been speaking the promise. Only God had been speaking the promise. Now, all of a sudden, he's speaking the promise. They go shopping. Princess says to Father of the Nation, how do I look in this jacket? Father of the Nation says, you look pretty gorgeous, Mother of a Nation. A little later, tea time. Father of the Nation, supper's ready. What do you think the people were saying? Ha, 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 ha. Father of the Nation, he hasn't got any kids. How can that be? Risk. He's starting to believe God and his risk involved. But God's changed something here. He's doing exactly what God does. Paul Apostle looks back at this whole story in Romans chapter 4. And he gives these words in verse 17 and 18. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not as though they did. Abraham. Abraham is doing exactly that. Being He's copying his father God. God calls the things that do not exist, though they exist, so shall I. I'm going to start to speak my healing, not my sickness. I'm going to speak my provision, not my lack. I'm going to start to speak the promises of God, not what I don't have. I'll speak what God promised me. He's changing the way that we speak. 
Abraham says, contrary to hope, in hope he believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. I love my mum. I really do. But she had this really annoying saying. Son, you're going to get what you say. Did your mom ever say that to you? Mom's a Pentecostal mom. She used to say it to me all the time. She's a preacher mom. You're going to get what you say. You see, this isn't in the Bible. This is what I'm saying. We can say what we have. Or we can say what God says. I'm not okay. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You told me. Got it. Right, let's work on this. But if you're going to go around all the time, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm telling you, this is what I'm, I actually was praying for someone one day, praying for them. Someone else came up and said, how are you doing? Said, I'm not okay. And they started telling the same problem. Where there's not even, wasn't even a millimeter, not even five seconds of believing. You can say what you got. There's no genius in that. I'm broke. Yeah, so the rest of you. I'm sick. Yeah, so the rest of us. It takes a little bit more faith to say, I'm believing God's word. It says I'm going to be healed. Yeah. So I'm believing for my healing. It's getting quiet in here. Paul says these words. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what was written, I believe and therefore I speak or I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. What do you have to do? You have to speak what you believe. Give voice. That's what Claire preached last week. So far, I've only summarized her sermon. No new content. Are we prepared to ask God in the middle of the impossible for the possible and voice activate it? God said it. Two things I noticed from the story. On the verse there, it says, without weakening his faith, he did not waver through underbelief, strengthened in his faith, fully persuaded, and it was credit to him as righteousness. It says he did not waver through unbelief. Paul, you didn't read Genesis, did you? Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, he wavered. He doubted. He helped God out. And he had Ishmael. And we're still living with that problem. He did. Paul, what are you talking about? How can Paul write those words and mislead us? You see, Paul is writing it from the perspective of Abraham being 99 years old. Yes, Abraham had a covenant with God. Yes, he messed up and he sinned, if you could call it that. But watch this. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. When Abraham believed, it made null and void everything in the past. All his mistakes wiped out, record cleaned out because you believe God. I want to tell you something. I have messed up, but I have a covenant with Almighty Jesus. I have messed up, messed up, messed up. Daily I'm messing up, but I choose to believe Him and my past is washed away. My sins are cleared away. I stand righteous in right standing before Almighty God. I can still say, right in the middle of my impossible, I believe and I'm asking for the possible. And God says, I count you, Wayne, righteous. Whoo, somebody say amen. amen. How big is your mess? God is bigger. The angels are speaking. Second thing I notice. Have a look at this one word in that, this verse. Nevertheless. 
he was old, dead, past his sell-by date. Nevertheless, I believe God for the impossible. You and I might have messed up, you and I, but nevertheless, I still believe God. I've got financial difficulties, I've got health problems, I've got relationship problems, I know. Nevertheless, I'm not going to give up. It's not okay to remain not okay. I'm going to give up, I'm not give up, and I'm going to press on for what God's got for me. Like Abraham, our attitude should be, I do not understand why. Andrew, he had a saying I loved. He used to say, good, uh, bad stuff happens to good people. I don't know why. I'll ask when I get to heaven. But I don't care about that because I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to have that same attitude, that nevertheless attitude. I will still believe God's promises, even though I'm sick. Even if I've got holes in the bottom of my shoes, I still believe that God's going to provide for me. In my dying breath, I will still say he's a healer and he's a restorer. I will have that nevertheless attitude. You might be in a hard, cold, dark squeeze in a mess. But if you will hold on, there is a great reward. Hebrews, the writer, says, Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You need, you need endurance. After you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You will receive your impossible. I might be in a bad situation. Nevertheless, I'm believing God. For the possible. That's my first illustration. <laughs> I got one more. One more. <clears throat> this one's not so nice. Jesus. Did you know Jesus prayed and didn't get his prayers answered? Next preacher. Jesus is about to go to the cross and die. He's with his disciples and they head towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Can I paraphrase that? Jesus said, I'm not okay. I'm in agreement with what the Father's planning, but I never realized that the pain, the suffering in this physical body could be so intense. I need help. Guys, would you please help me? I'm not okay. Would you watch with me? Would you pray with me? I know you can't fix me, but at least you could be with me. Help me. Will you stand with me? I'm not okay. Jesus said that. There. What did Jesus pray? You know, the, the, the Luke, Apostle Luke, he, he goes and records in Scripture, he says, it was so intense that angels had to come and minister to Jesus. Three times he went back to his disciples and said, pray with me, I need help, guys. 
In fact, Luke records that he started to sweat drops of blood. He's a medical term, Gordon. It was that long. I couldn't pronounce it. I took it out of my notes. Leonardo da Vinci apparently also recorded a soldier that had the same problem. The intense pressure was so much that their blood turned to, their sweat turned to blood. I'll, I'll send you the notes and you can interpret it for me. Jesus was not okay. But in the middle of not being okay, what did he do? He asked, is it possible? My father. He has an impossible situation. He's about to die. Impossible. And Jesus himself comes and asks for the possible. Three times he prays. Lord, is it possible? Heavenly Father, is it possible? God, is it possible that this cup can go from me? How many of us have been in that position? We're asking for the possible in the middle of the impossible. Jesus prayed, yet he still got arrested. Jesus prayed, nothing happened. We too could get disillusioned with prayer sometimes, thinking nothing happens. But I want to tell you, God was answering that prayer. He was about to do the impossible. Do you know what he did? He took the problem that we saw a week or two ago, and he turned it around and made it the solution. He took the sin problem, put it on Jesus, and made a salvation solution. And it was a unique solution that had never been done before. Up until that point, the sin of people could only be covered with the blood of a lamb. And even then, only provisionally. In fact, when Abraham died, he went to a place of waiting. He didn't go straight into the presence of God. He had to wait in paradise. Wasn't he? Because without the shedding of blood, it is impossible to have a relationship with God without the shedding of blood. Impossible to have a relationship with God, except that you come through a mediator, Jesus Christ. Father knows this is impossible, and Jesus is asking for the possible. And that day, God did work the impossible. I want to just play with one word for a moment. Nevertheless, I didn't put that in there. It's in the Bible. Jesus said, Father, is it possible that I can have the impossible? Nevertheless, not my will. Yours be done. You see, nevertheless, is today's surrender because it's tomorrow's commission. Nevertheless, is today, but it's possible tomorrow. It's coming and saying, God, I'm not okay. I don't understand what's happening. Nevertheless, I still believe you. God, I'm not okay. I'm struggling with it. It's been years now. Nevertheless, I'm going to put my trust in you some more. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to quit. Nevertheless, forgive me for doing this. When we ask for the possible, the nevertheless is never less. Nevertheless is never less. It's always more. God did do the impossible that day. He made salvation plan for all mankind to know God. He did the impossible. Salvation for the Jews, salvation for the Gentiles, and that includes you and me. It was so much more. You say, when Jesus died 
How can there be more? It was less. Surely he died. No. Because he was raised together, back to life on the third day. He was given an immortal bottle. He was given an incorruptible body. He's reunited with his father. His name is restored. He's above every other name that is named. He now sits on the throne with everything underneath his feet. All authority belongs to Jesus. He wears many crowns. All power and dominion belong to Jesus. And his robe fills the temple. I want to tell you what he did on the cross that day was not less. It was more. Far more than he even thought about. Well, what about Abraham then, Wayne? Did he get more? Well, he did. He got Isaac. One year after he started to voice activate the promises of God in his life, he had Isaac born. Isaac went on to give him two grandkids, Jacob and Esau. Jacob gave him 12 sons and one daughter, I believe. And from that we get the entire Jewish nation, the 12 tribes of Israel. It was more. God fulfilled his promise and he became the father of nations. But it was even more than that. Because Galatians says, and so does Romans 4, that he is the father of us all. There are countless millions of Christians over the years, Gentile and Jew, that now have God the Father because of the faith of Abraham. He can do more than you can think or ask or imagine. Simon Peter, one, two... Okay, this is a bonus one. This is a bonus one. It's not in my notes. It's, it's, it's not. Simon Peter's out fishing all night, caught, caught nothing. And Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side. And Peter says these words, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. And you know what happened? He got more. The boat was so full it began to sink. Nevertheless. Lazarus is sick. He's dying. And Jesus said these words. He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you might believe the glory is coming. Nevertheless, Jesus said, let us go to him. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Even if your situation is dead and buried, it's not too late. The fat lady hasn't sung yet. I'm telling you, we have no fat ladies in this church. <laughs> I ban them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Scratch that from the video. <laughs> Paul has been shipwrecked. An angel appears to him and tells him what's going to happen. God is going to break up the boat into thousands of little pieces and get shipwrecked. Thank you, God. Great solution you got. And Paul says these words, nevertheless, brothers, says, we're going to run aground to an island. And a massive revival broke out on that island, and every man on board that ship was saved. Not one perished. Nevertheless, was greater. The disciples, they're sad. They're very upset. Jesus has just announced to them, I'm going away. I'm going to leave you here. And they get a tear in their eye. And what are we going to do? You've got to remember, just the previous couple of pages, Lazarus has been healed and raised from the dead. And the religious leaders were seeking them to kill them. They were hiding in the mountain area. And Jesus is saying, I'm going. He was their defender. He was the wise one. He was the provider for them. He did everything for those disciples. And Jesus says these famous words. He says, I'm now going to him who sent me. 
Now, you don't ask where are you going because I've said these things to you. Your sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go away, the help of the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Jesus, in his time of need, only had an angel come and minister to him. But in our time of need, we got God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit to come. I want to tell you that nevertheless is nevertheless. God, I'm not okay. I know. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. So stand up there and say, nevertheless, I still believe God's word. I might not have got my answer right now, but I still believe God's word. I don't care what you say. You can put me on Twitter, on Facebook, and anywhere else. I still believe the Lord. I believe God. I believe God. Please bow your heads with me, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join me. You might be in a cold, hard, upside-down place this morning. You're in a squeeze. I want to challenge you. Are you prepared to ask for the possible in the middle of the impossible? Will you go on and say, nevertheless, God, I believe you can do it. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or we can ask, according to the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. I can have my possible in the middle of an impossible because I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. If I will have the nevertheless attitude, I will not bow to peer pressure. I will not bow to criticism or doubt or fear or unbelief. I believe God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you minister to us?